and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew, Sam Westy. We are all rocking pretty impressive jerseys right now. I am rocking Utah Warriors for my boy Paul Mullen. Uh, you know, got a rep, got a rep out. Sam Hurricanes jersey. Now that they're back winning and they're not so sucky anymore. Uh, and Westy, what is your jersey? Chongqing Conquerors. South Southwest China. How Joe Pujian needs a meal. For all the Chinese listeners listening at home, which we have such a massive uh, audience in, Huge. but three jerseys, three different continents. We are global. We are worldwide. Uh, Sam, how are you? Good, good. Enjoying the sunshine here in Galway. Our one day a year. And by enjoying it, we're inside recording a podcast. We record outside. I mean, the wind noise would be horrific, <laughs> but you we won't could even try, try it. it. We could try it. We could try it. We'll just have to do like a bubble that we can just shield ourselves. But yes, this is the first time anyone watching YouTube. This is natural light. This is not artificial from a lamp or a bulb. This is sunshine. Yeah, this is all, this is all natural in my, in yeah. my back. <laughs> Sam genuinely has a massive kind of crest <laughs> in the back of his room. But we're not here to talk about sunshine. Uh, we're here to talk about some rugby. Uh, we don't have too many games covered this week, which is actually great because normally we're trying to fit them all in. Uh, we've got some exciting games to look forward to. European rugby is on this weekend, but we will talk first about Leinster versus Munster in the Pro 14 final. was on last weekend. Uh, Westy, not a, not a great game. There's not a lot to talk about when it comes to who did things well. Uh, it's not a great advertisement for the Pro 14. Uh, that was the final, but what was your initial reactions to that game? Um... Like, I definitely thought it was a really interesting game to watch. Like, there was a lot of back and forth. I thought, like, Munster's scramble defence was brilliant. Tyke Byrne, as usual. Um, CJ had a very good outing for his last, well, his last Pro 14 game for Munster. Um, definitely some good talent on show. But, like, Leinster seemed to butcher a lot of scoring opportunities. Someone said to me afterwards, like, they never really got out of third year and they never really had to. And I don't think that's necessarily... I don't think that's saying like, oh, that Munster aren't good enough to get a rise out of them. I just think these two teams know each other so well that you're not going to have this grandstanding final of, you know, mad ship and try to get one over on each other. They kind of, you know, Leinster know what they have to do to beat Munster. And there wasn't too much deviation from kind of what we've seen in the last couple of times that the two sides met. Yeah, Sam, what did you think? Yeah, I wasn't impressed with the spectacle of the game. Like, uh you wanted, I kind of, I wanted Munster to win just for the good of the the league and for Munster's own mental health. It's been a good few no, number of times now that they just haven't shown up against Leinster. And it was frustrating to watch them kind of try the same thing again. It's like beating down the door with your head. It's just, it doesn't seem to be happening. They need to change it up a little bit. Uh, the six all at halftime probably flattered Munster. I don't think that they should have been in that game, really. I think Leinster kind of butchered a few chances, maybe trying a little bit too hard. And I thought... Uh, no slide on him personally, but Rory O'Loughlin wasn't at the standard of the rest of them. Uh, I don't think he really played that well. It wasn't his best game. And Henshaw, you know, Henshaw has been consistently good and continued to be good. So six all at halftime, I kind of went, okay, Munster will go in and Van Graham will just eat the head off him for not being good enough and tell him how lucky they are to still be in the game. And they'll come out rejuvenated and they'll kick on. And it just didn't happen. And uh, that was quite annoying as a fan or as someone that wanted to see Munster win the game. So on the whole, I wasn't overly impressed. I was really impressed with a couple of Leinster players. Uh, I thought Kelleher and Ruddock and uh, 
Kelleher, Ruddock and McGrath, who I don't usually rate McGrath that highly. I thought the three of them were quite good and three that you know might have obvious kind of chips in their shoulder being the only Leinster players that didn't get all of the time during the Six Nations. Uh, and then from Munster point of view, it was unfortunate that obviously Joey Carberry was never going to be perfect coming back from a long injury, but he's been going quite well. And it was unfortunate that he's going to have these sort of quiet games. And it's just unfortunate that this was one of them. Uh, it might have been good tactics by Leinster to null him as well, null avoid him as well. But uh, on the whole, I wasn't overly impressed with the game plan from Munster, I think lead up to it you heard Van Grand saying that they just go again and do what they do best and I think I was kind of screaming going don't do that like we know that doesn't work we've seen that about nine out of the last ten times so try something new uh, I think they'll be a bit disappointed they didn't land a blow uh, and really go for it but on the whole Leinster probably could have stepped up a notch if Munster had come out to play Leinster didn't look like they really broke too much of a sweat so yeah, Westy, it's a good point made by Sam. Like Munster never really fired a shot in anger, which was disappointing. As if you know, if you're a Munster fan, like if you had a told Munster before the game you'd only concede 16 points, they would have really fancied their chances. And it was a a physical battle, which again I think Munster would have taken. You know, that's their kind of play style. What went wrong? Why did it not just click? Is it is it? We've we said it kind of flirted with it before. Is there a mental block now with Leinster when it comes to this Munster team? I think there is at least a small mental block. Um, and kind of going back to what Sam said, and probably I think this would link to Munster's performance as well. It's a game that really would have benefited from a crowd. Like if you had a crowd there, if you, if you had a little corner of red in the RDS, I think that really would have helped to spur on Munster in those kind of, you know, in the dying minutes when they were only 10, minutes, uh, or 10 points behind or at that point maybe only seven points behind and really still had a chance of getting into it. Um, I think... Leinster just kind of played pretty fluidly again. Yeah, maybe they tried to push a few passes they didn't have to on a couple of occasions, but like they had what sixty-five percent possession and seventy percent territory or something. I just don't think. I don't think. I think Munster were constantly on the back foot trying to get hold of the ball, and when they did, it was in their own half, and they didn't really have the space to move. I, I don't, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I, I really don't have a lasting memory of, of Munster knocking on the door trying to get that score out. No, nothing really. Not that I can think of any of but yeah, no, not really. Um, and Leinster, is, we, you know, normally when they're inside your 22 or inside your 10, they're going to score, but we didn't see that either. So there was great defence from uh, Munster. But Sam, you've said before as well, they've been doing the same thing sort of over and over when it comes to Leinster and it's not working. What would you like to see them try? Uh, uh, what, what do they need to do to try and maybe beat this Leinster team? It's hard to tell because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a coach and I'm not privy to what they're doing in training. But if you look at the way Connacht have played against Leinster or, or if the way Ulster have played against Leinster, yeah, we've lost probably the same amount nine out of the last ten times. You know, that's understandable. But it looks like kind of those two teams give it a bit more of a go, threaten the line a little bit, kind of almost make their mind up that they'll capitalise on a mistake and go for it and go for the juggler and try it. And they might fail, but they'll fail going out swinging. Whereas I think Munster tend to be reverting back to a type, a game that, has all season been beating the teams below them fine. They've, they've not really been overly tested. You know, they, they were like high. They were, they were clearly ahead of us in the conference. Uh, they had a couple of games at the start of the season that didn't go exactly to plan, but they got through them. But since then, you know, it, it's quite one dimensional. I don't think the, uh, I don't think the game plan was really there and it hasn't been there in the last 10 times to play against a Leinster team that are probably just man for man better than, Munster, especially in the 23, not just in the 15, but the, the, Leinster, the Leinster bench is capable of coming on and making such a difference. You know, you're bringing on Johnny Sexton. I know they didn't last very long, but you're bringing on Johnny Sexton. 
and that's just you can't compete with that level so I think I wanted to see maybe a little bit more invention try and catch Leinster out a little bit maybe trying to play something a bit different to what you're used to because the Leinster coaches are extremely like good smart people there's enough of them there to know what Munster are going to do if Munster go, come out and play that same game plan to try something a bit new but you know that didn't come about maybe they're not capable of doing it with like Dialande and Farrell in the centre you kind of set your stall out on what type of game you're going to play with them and you know, that's not a slide on either their ball playing ability but that's not what they're going to do for you you know Conway and Keith Earls brilliant brilliant finishers great players uh, you know maybe maybe they just need something a little bit changed up a little bit something a little bit different Westy, a lot of talk after this game was has the gap between Munster and Leinster, you know, has it gotten shorter or or has it gotten larger? What do you think? Um, I don't necessarily think it's gotten larger. I, I think it's, I think it's more to do with Leinster just been such a, you know, and I've said this before, like such a well-oiled machine, such a you know great procedural team. They do go out in the pitch kind of knowing what they have to do. They know what they have to do to beat Munster. Um. Again, like you know, we're not going to go on about the resources the Leinster have. You know, they've got most of the population and, and you know, fee-paying schools and all that. Uh, so they do come into it with a, with a, you know, obviously a slight advantage in of sheer numbers. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think the gap has gotten wider. Like, yeah, you say, you know, man for man, Leinster would probably be better, but like, there's still a lot of talent in that Munster team, and it, it is still a relatively new setup that's there. You would hope that, as Sam's saying, like. They probably went into this final with, you know, one eye on damage control in that, like, let's let's make sure we don't concede and let's build our attacking plan from there. So they have the let's not concede point. I mean, you know, that was a, it took Leinster a long time to get across the line. For all intents and purposes, Munster were very well disciplined for most parts of the game. So they have that framework built. And now it's about expanding on that and building into their attack. So I just think it's two teams at different stages, whereas Leinster are, yes, more of the same, let's keep going. And Munster are still trying to build. They have their foundations a lot better now than we've seen before. And now, hopefully, I'd love to see them really use the Rainbow Cup. Because let's face it, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, it's just an exhibition for the new league that's going to be there. To really use it to try and build. As Sam said, let's try something now new with our attacking shape. They've got a great ball distributor in Dale Ende. They've got Farrell is such a strong runner. Fantastic finish. Mike Haley has had some brilliant moments this season. Um, and what a brilliant young nine coming through in Craig Casey as well. What we were saying earlier on in the season, Westy, is myself and yourself had been kind of wondering where this Larkham influence was going to show. And then every once in a while it kind of did. And you went, okay, finally we're getting to see what's, what's down the line for Munster. And it just looks like they haven't implemented that fully yet because it, it doesn't show up in the big game there when it needed to. At, at any stage of the game, did you guys think that Munster needed another South African lock? Because that's obviously, <laughs> that's obviously what Munster think they need because they've signed another one. Uh, to accompany Orgy Steinman uh, next year. It just and seems. Jean and Jean Klein and Tigburn, possibly, if they want. It just it seems like a weird move because they obviously aren't lacking in that position. So why have they gone and done that, Sam? It, it's a strange one. I don't understand because they, they have a kind of a wealth of players that play between the second row and the back three uh, and the back row. And you'd think like, that wouldn't be where your number one priority in restocking would be and you also have to I think question uh, Nusifora and the, the policies in terms of like non-Irish qualified players playing in the same position I know that that's come up in the past and uh, Munster are actually denied players joining them because other players 
a non-Irish qualified players were playing at other provinces from that position. So I don't know how that one got signed off with Snyman being there, unless there's something in Snyman, like maybe he's talked, or Lee Simon's talked about going back to South Africa. I know he's on a two-year deal that started like just about a year ago. So he's a year left. So it could be something along the lines of that. This might just be an almost one-year deal benefiting both Munster and the player. But it does just seem like a weird one from uh, uh, in terms of what they need and in terms of what they should be going after, especially given the kind of the the talk around the players that were being let go, like Sweetenham's gone off on loan now to finish his contract for to La Rochelle and uh, JJ signed for Claremont. They were sort of saying that they were hamstrung by finances for that. So that would that would kind of leave a bit of a sour taste if you were one of those like monster fans that believes in bringing through local talent you know that that might kind of leave a bit of a sour taste i don't know like you get another six foot seven lock that's not a bad thing no team is going to turn their nose up at it i just i find it a strange one uh, and just i just wanted to put in there when we, when west was talking about the gap between monster and leinster the gap between monster and leinster is not necessarily widening but i do think personally and i was saying it all the last couple of weeks i didn't like the talk from the media saying that, you know, oh, this is the, clearly the two best teams in the league going out. Whereas I think Ulster were better than Munster all season. Uh, and I think in terms of like, they would just happen to be in the conference where they couldn't qualify. There was no semifinals. Uh, so I think that was quite unfair on Ulster because I do think that they were better than Munster. I don't think this was by any means the two clear best two teams. I think that it was, Leinster were clearly the best and then it was close between Ulster and Munster. And I think Ulster were probably better in the overall. Yeah, look, only, only the top teams beat Leinster. Uh, we'll move on from yeah, that. <laughs> just on what Sam was saying about the, the your man, the new signing, the South African lock, I, I do think it's it's totally reactionary. It's based on the fact that CJ's retiring and they need a gap filling there. It's a one-year deal. It's kind of a, let's replace, you know, one South African wrecking ball with another. The difference, obviously, being that the new one is a diet, won't ever be Irish qualified. I, I completely agree with everything you said. Like, it's baffling that they've been allowed to do it. It's poor player management from the RFU to let it go ahead. But I think they've played the because CJ was offered a contract, right? He didn't come out and say he was going to retire. Again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But how I understand it, he was offered a contract and said, no, I'm going to retire. So they've had this shock of CJ leaving. And, you know, Van Grand has, I think he's worked with this guy at the under 20s before or something and has rang up and said, look, will you do us a job for a year and come over? Yeah, I've, I read as well that he is capable of playing six. So between himself and Ty Byrne, they have second row six combos. So they could probably get away with it if they're registering him as a back row uh, in place of CJ. I just found it very strange that they could have the the Orgy Snyman and uh, what's the second name? Is not Farrell. Jean Klein. No, oh, no, not Jean Klein. The new guy that they Jenkins, yeah. isn't it? Sorry, new was a name that sounded not South African. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's if we, if we get robbed of Snyman in the Pro 14, like if he is gone, I'm gonna be so pissed. That is gonna be heartbreaking. But, but uh, them together though, like lineouts. Gavin Thornbury is the only man on the planet. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Gavin Thornbury has cut the mullet, so maybe he's lost his powers. We don't know. Don't say it. Not going into this rainbow cup, man. No. Yeah, no, yeah. But he still kept the rat's tail, so there's still a little bit of power. There's just we're enough. About, we're about to join a tournament with a team that had spare six foot seven locks. Two <laughs> seven locks. So there's a nation out there that has just an abundance. Three of them are at Munster at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Munster. There's a factory. There's a factory somewhere in South Africa where they build. These massive locks. It's a shame Quinn Roo's never been there. <laughs> Quinn Roo is absolutely huge. <laughs> it's just a joke. 
<laughs> yeah, but that day they were making him the reliability bro- machine broke. <laughs> you know when you're making your wrestler on SmackDown vs. Raw and you go through the funny hairstyles? That's what happened to Drew. He got like funny hairstyles and then someone was like, oh, heck, I made this guy now with his dodgy hairstyle. I'll have to make another one. I'll make this one monstrous. Throw him to Connacht, he'd be grand. Uh, we have to talk about the amount of infringements in this game that went unpunished because it was... It was it's baffling so- to watch at some parts because it was, <laughs> and like Twitter was just going mental, being like, what is going on? There's nothing being penalised. Like, Sam, it was pretty frustrating to watch, wasn't it? Because not it was, seemed like anything went. It. I, I sound like your grumpy lad telling children to get off his lawn because I'm constantly talking about it. But every time you watch Leinster play, Certain players are doing whatever they want in rooks. That pick and go from five meters out that's been really effective in England, and they said it would be really effective in the Pro 14, and Leinster have adopted it and have been extremely uh, clinical with it, is just a, like an abundance of infringements constantly. Like they're, they're latching from in front. They're coming in from the side. They're falling all over the place, and refs just don't ever ping it. And the second a defensive player is a toe offside, advantage and it's this this infinite advantage because it's inside the five no one has ever been advantage over inside the five it doesn't happen once you get advantage it's constant advantage until you either score or get the penalty so i don't want to name names because it's just sounding like i'm giving out about one particular player but one particular player is very tall is forever doing whatever he wants around rooks and doesn't seem to be doing much else like even my girlfriend who wouldn't be overly interested was watching the game the other day and he was like why is he, he's not doing it? He's standing beside the rook and then he's kind of going in the side and then he's pushing with his arms. Like it's, it's, He is. And it's it's Steph Toner, by the way. Let's just get over it. <laughs> I don't mind saying it, but... I don't want uh, a bad mouth in case he ends up signing for yeah, us. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, that's going to be... That's definitely what's going to happen. But no, like it wasn't just Dev Toner, but Dev Toner is the most obvious because he is six foot eleven, so you're going to see him doing it. But he does. He stands two feet right of the rook and then Ruddock will pick and go and then Donor just sort of falls sort of falls in front of it but takes out two monster people and it's just how they get away with it constantly is baffling and it's and madness Leo, Leo Cullen in the media last Thursday was saying that he wants the ref to be stringent on the rooks I was like don't be throwing stones now in your glass house like you gotta respect the balls to do it to say that though like that is incredible <laughs> Wesley what did you think yeah, I think it's, I don't know, I think maybe it gets part of the Leinster air. They kind of, it's like, oh, they're so dominant. It's like, you know, they're so dominant because they're, you know, they're breaking the rules. But like, um, I think unfortunately in those situations where you have kind of short picking line or short picking goals come up to the line, it's always a defensive team that are under scrutiny. That They rarely look at the uh, offensive team in that situation. You know, you rarely see someone called for going off their feet inside the five meter channel. And I think Leinster have probably identified that. Um, and now they're kind of pushing it as far as they can to exploit it. Yeah, I'm hoping that, like, now that you're saying, we're saying this, I'm hoping that at some stage our ref does identify it and pings them straight away, like what happened. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure the pro 14 referees are hagging on our every word here. No, so. It's not just us, it's in general. But what I'm, say, what I'm saying is I'd like to see it. Like, remember that time, the start of the Six Nations, where refs just were pinging things at the line out left right and center and everyone's going but we always do this they go yeah but it was always against the rules we just decided to focus on it today so like if that happens and it changes it up like i think one of the best things that could happen with uh, any of these new elvs that are potentially coming in i don't like the red card ones i don't like the captain's referral one overly uh, yet depends like i'm yet to see it being used properly but the 20 or the, the goal line dropout from held up ball i think will change a lot of 
uh, attitudes in the 22 because you've seen it in Super Rugby Arts Row. Teams don't want to pick and go for fear of just being held up and losing the ball because you can get Jordy Barrett to boot at 60 metres down the pitch and then you're back square one. Yeah, it is interesting to see what to do with it, but it is. it, it seems like just they're so focused on now on everything to do with head-related injuries that other stuff has just been let go by the wayside. But look, at Munsoor attitude, it's not just Leinster, it's not just Dev Toner, but it's fun to pick on him. But, you know, I hope he enjoys his trip down to Galway next year to join Connacht. So hopefully we'll get him on the podcast. We'll move on from that game. We have time this week, so we're going to let Westy talk about Tier 2. But first, let's, we'll, we'll, he's our Tier 2 reporter, so let's send over to him. Live from Galway, Johnny West. I, I wish I'd actually prepared something. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, no um, one's going to fact check. You know one's watching, so you can say whatever yeah. you want. No, I, I would, I'd say it, it, it's pretty baffling because I would have said three months ago, I would have said Spain were going to be in Ireland's group for the next World Cup. Um, and I've never seen a team throw away a World Cup so wholeheartedly. Um, uh, last week against Romania, they had a red card and four yellows, I think. And then they had another red card and a couple of yellows this week. Was Frank, um, Frank was reffing on Tier 2? <laughs> <laughs> no, surprisingly. Um, what was fun about the uh, Spain-Portugal game this week, Westy, was how Spain were so poor that they allowed Portugal to become Fiji. <laughs> I did take you guys that Portugal had become Fiji. So yeah, they, they went from, I think it was 21-21 at half time to Portugal winning 45 28 43-28. 43-28, oh yeah, sorry, 43-28 in the end, um, which was amazing because Portugal now might actually qualify for the World Cup, which would be great because rugby's really grown there. Um, the real kind of shocker was kind of Romania versus Russia. Russia had a red card in the first 20 minutes and Romania still couldn't really manage to, to get it over them, which was disappointing because Romania played some lovely stuff and managed the game really well by all intents and purposes. But Russia in the last 20 minutes just flexed their muscles and, um, and, and took it, unfortunately. So Georgia clear out in front but second place is really interesting for grabs it looks like Russia at the minute or it looks like Romania at the minute um, for those of you who don't know the European two spot in Ireland's group in the World Cup will be decided by a combination of two years uh, in the tier two competition so we can assume Georgia will win and be Europe one but Europe two is up for grabs so at the minute I'd say it's going to be Romania but I would have bet Spain three months ago and if Romania qualify they have the nicest jersey in rugby by the way not that weird away one but their white one with the little uh the Romanian oh, flag, yeah. so tidy. I seen the weird away one. It is disgusting. It <laughs> yeah, is it, it, that, that's very bad. Yeah, and that was this week's tier two news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, good times, gimmicks. You gotta love it. We'll move on to Super Rugby Arturoa. Hurricanes win again. Sam beating the Highlanders. The Geordie Show win Spell again. Of... When was this previous win? He's have won before, I'm sure, haven't you? Not this season. <laughs> have you not won a game? No, it's Blues, Crusaders and Chiefs. It oh was... my God, I thought he's picked up one maybe. Sorry, that is shocking. <laughs> Sorry, but look, we're positive. It's They won. 30 yeah, points scored. They France to win the World Cup, Steve. Oh yeah, sorry, apologies. Uh, 30 points scored from the Hurricanes. All 30 by Jordy. 
uh, was just incredible. I said it before and I will continue to say it. I would pay to watch Jordy Bart kick rugby balls off a tee all day. It is just beautiful. It's like a golfer that can just shape shots. It's like he did a little left to right one. He just bombs one down the middle sometimes. He's got everything. But Sam, have to be happy this week. Finally, sorry, finally a win. My apologies. Uh, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, no, it was it was good. It was much like last week. I was a bit sceptical about the, the squad being put out. Uh, there's kind of a few players that I was kind of thinking, ah, maybe, maybe not. But no, everyone really stepped up. Creepy was good again. Princep was good. Lomax is brilliant. Uh, he's, he's been really kind of good. Uh, Laumapi's looking a bit better again. We've said it for a few weeks that he wasn't up to a standard of pre-injury last season. So uh, he was very good. And, you know, Billy Proctor really put his foot down and just said to you know, Peter Maga Jensen, like, no, this 13 is up for grabs. Uh, and then Jordy was just sensational. He had very much playing as a second playmaker. Like, I know that that's kind of an in phrase at the moment and very, very fashionable to say, but he was playing as another 10, which was really helpful in terms of allowing Ledger to not be too bogged down in the game because he's, he's still only kind of learning the ropes. And, you know, Barrett was given nice little inside balls and then his follow-up lines were brilliant. His kicking was excellent. And another part of his game, which is, seriously beneficial is his ability to kick from uh, out of his hand. He, he can kick nearly the length of the field, but he puts an old school spiral on it. He's doing those kind of spiral bombs that are coming a bit back into vogue. They went out of fashion for a few years, but you know, there was one where it was just dropped in the complete open by Joshuani. And it's like, what can you do against that? Like you're, you're putting these huge, big spiral bombs that stay up, like almost like an NFL punter. They stay up for minutes and it's, it's so hard to defend against. Uh, and from a Highlander's point of view, Best player on the pitch for them was Shannon Frizzell, Wesley's mate. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then I was so disappointed we didn't get more chance to see the Umaga Jensen twins playing off against each other at centre. It was only for the last kind of five minutes. Uh, it would have been class to see the two of them playing against each other. I didn't realise they were twins. I thought that uh, Thomas is the... I thought he was the younger brother, but he's, uh, he's his twin. Uh, and Dane Coles was back for Keynes, which was great to see. And that new lad I was talking about him last week, Rayasi, who kind of lit up the Mitre 10 last season, is such a unit on the wing. He's, he seems unstoppable. He's strong, powerful, good runner, good eye for try line. So, you know, it's hopefully the start of a turnaround for us because considering that you didn't realise we hadn't won a game this season, that was... I just I just assumed they would have. Sorry, I apologise. Jeez, I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, but... you, play, you play the Blues and the Crusaders first too. Yeah, like you're, yeah. yeah. you're going to struggle. Well, yeah. And then... Then we beat Crusaders after a couple of weeks, like so. It's still anyone's. It's still anyone's second place. It's not. It's, it's one person. Yeah, 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 but there's a final this year as well. So I think second place is far more valuable this year oh, than okay. last year. So nice. then one off game, anything can happen. So yeah, yeah, true. Um, the the fight for the All Black Fifteen jersey between McKenzie and Jordy is fierce. Where, where would you be? I think. Jordy has a higher ceiling, but McKenzie's just been so brilliant this year. It's really tough. Or could you move McKenzie somewhere else or Jordy somewhere else? The All Blacks have a Jordy on the wing kind of thing that they've done. He playing out of his skin at fullback last season as well, but when he got into the All Blacks setup, it was on the wing. I prefer him at fullback. I think much like we had uh, the chat about Wooten the other week about how he's a winger and not a fullback. I think Jordy Barrett's a fullback and not a winger. Uh, and if you're the local fans, creators would be believed. They reckon Jordy Barrett's a 10 and played a lot of 10 at underage. So I think he's more of a playmaker. I think he's too much of a playmaker to play on the wing. That being said, Damien Kenzie might be wasted on the wing as well because he's so good. Like, Yeah, I mean, Jordy's come out this year and said he wants that 15 all-black jersey. Like That's where he wants to play. Um, 
I think you can definitely see his intent. I've said before that, like, I think Damian McKenzie is fantastic, and I think he is so good at coming on with 20 minutes to go and finishing teams. Um, like, I, I think he's an amazing eight-pass up. He's an amazing starter as well, but at the minute, I'd, I'd go with the informed player, which is Jordy Barrett. And we haven't even mentioned Will Jordan yet. Like, there are other full-backs in this league who are fantastic. Like, yeah, Will Jordan's not getting as much Crusader love this year. He, he really lit it up early on for Crusaders last season, and everyone went, oh, who's this guy? He's fallen back into just being your average class New Zealand player. <laughs> to like complete and utter, like Jordy Barrett scored 30 out of 30 points in a 30, uh, what was it, in the end, 30 to 19 win like this. Those are the sort of things that like all black selectors look for. Like that's the sort of ability you want. Before we move on from the Highlanders game, can we please talk about my boy Kazuki Hamina? Yes, sorry, it was of course. unbelievable when he came off the bench. I've never seen someone so hungry for work. I've been waiting for this guy. This guy hasn't played rugby since the World Cup in Japan, first off. He played every, as far as I know, every game for Japan that World Cup. Has not played a, comp- a professional game since. And uh, yeah, I, I was, I've been bigging him up, but I was so excited to see him come on. I thought he was brilliant. Message him on Instagram. Let's get him on the pod. I could try. <laughs> I don't. I don't have it. I don't have Instagram, but I could try. Oh yeah, you don't. That's going to be an issue. <laughs> create one. Create a fan page and just get all that those sweet, sweet fans. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was look hurricanes. That's Jordy's potential. We all know he has that in him. He's that good, and he's he's still so young. So it is. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do with that fifteen jersey. Uh, and if Bowden does come back and is available for selection, whenever that is. That's another headache to have because Richie Moanga and Oteri Black are also playing out of their skin. So it's great problems to have if you're an all-black selector. But still, I think I think if, if you're Bowden Barrett coming back from Japan, I think that you cut your losses at that ten position because you will be playing second fiddle to Richie Moanga no matter how good you're playing. And I think that if you're going to play second fiddle to someone, you might as well push for the starting of fifteen and playing second fiddle to Moanga and let Oteri Black, who is going to be happy to sit behind Moanga for a few years while he develops into the player he wants to be. I think that that would be the best thing for him. He might be, because he's a professional rugby player, too proud to admit that and go for the 10. But I just think even at Blues, he's got a definite spot at 15 where he will be fighting with a Terry Black for that 10 spot. But that's what I said about Jordy or about Bowden going to Japan. Like, he stepped away and look who's risen up into his jersey. Like, I at the minute, like, okay, sorry, I haven't watched the Sun Troy game yet, but... He, he, he nailed a win in... Uh, Conversion or penalty at the weekend anyway because they were tweeting about it. TJ Paranara was tweeting about it. I just tweeted back a little cheek. He looks better in the yellow and black, doesn't he? Because he was <laughs> their jersey's yellow and black. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, but it's amazing that two-time World Player of the Year, Bowden Barrett. You know, it's just incredible that he. You know, you're, we're saying this about him. We move on to Chiefs and the Blues. The Chiefs have won two games in a row, boys. Can we believe it? Incredible. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I was just shocked when I saw the results. Uh, it wasn't your usual Super Rugby game. It wasn't just tries galore. It was a good old-fashioned battle. And Damon McKenzie, again, just fantastic. Hair is getting even better, and the smile is as good as ever as, as it has been. Westy, as a, a big Blues fan, talk us through this one. Was it tough? We, we did give Sam a little bit of abuse last week for the Chiefs beating Hurricane. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, so I think it's only fair this week you defend yourself. If I can put on my asshole hat for a second... The Hurricanes are what's called a rut buster, right? You haven't won in a, over a year. You take, you know, about you know, you take some, you know, rotten thing out to to break your streak, and then you get a little bit of confidence back, and the next week you go and you take out a worldie. That's what happened. Sam, a re- rebuttal. Uh, I think you'll remember 
Smurf, when you said, when we and you were laughing behind Westy's back on Sunday morning about this result, and I said, Westy would come across and try and be as professional as possible and say something real smart about this, whereas actually he needs to accept the L, accept that Damien McKenzie is probably the sexiest man on rugby history and scores winning tries and winning conversions at the end of games. Yeah, no, look, at in all seriousness, it was pretty poor game management from the Blues. Um, whatever about the first half going for the tries... Chiefs were defending like champs. Like that last 15 minutes, you have to take the three points. You have to push out your lead and give yourself a bit of comfort. Um, I thought, yeah, Chiefs defensively really strong. Their, their attack was still a bit lackluster. Uh, McKenzie was fantastic, obviously. Um, Tosh Shaw, I knew he was very good. I couldn't, I couldn't see how McKenzie got free with the ball. He just had it. It was like a spin roll out of the tackle. Spin move. Classic but spin move. Classic Madden spin move. That was it. Just, I was hoping it was a forward pass leading up, but I have to concede that it wasn't. Even the drama with the captain referral, it was great. Like everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, was it? Was it?" And it was that great camera angle that they got to prove that it wasn't. Because from the yeah. other angle, it did look a bit forward. Uh, so it's it's great that they had that. It would have been a shame if it got cancelled out, you know, incorrectly. But a great finish, and you have to be happy for the Chiefs just because it's been such a tough year and a half. And now they are, you know, see a bit of... As you said, Wesley, they look like they have belief back, confidence back. Because they've always had a good team, like, on paper. You know, Sam Kane, you know, you have Damian McKenzie. Like, these are two All Blacks, you know, starters. Well, we, we'll see if they are starters, but two greats. And they just hasn't been able to get a bit of momentum going. Now they seem to have that, unfortunately, for the Hurricanes and the Blues uh, that they do. But fair, I'm delighted for them that they're not going to finish with the wooden spoon again, which is fantastic to see, but... Yeah. I think I think it's a point at half time where the Blues are held out where you can kind of see the, the pack going to the sheds a bit deflated and I think that's a real moment where the Chiefs kind of believe in themselves to come back into it. Like I think people like Tui Pelotu and Dalton Pablidi had a fantastic game. I think I think I think like the Chiefs but the Chiefs managed to like disrupt the set piece of the Blues, which was something that was so strong in the first couple of games. Um I think there's a bit of a breakdown between the backs and forwards for the Blues. Like I think we got such an amazing pack. You know, All Blacks on the bench coming off. Uh, Tunga Fassi, I think, was really strong. Maybe not as good as he was last year, but still a really, really competitive player. Um, I don't think... I think it was a pretty poor performance from Terry Black, from perfectly honest. Not just the missed kicks, but I don't think he did... Again, out of character, because I think he's a very good 10, but didn't distribute the ball as well. And I think this was the first time I saw the difference between Bowden Barrett and not being involved in the squad because I think it's that leadership in the backs that that's just missing that helps that connection move between backs and forwards yeah that's a good point uh, we'll move on uh, I forgot about the France-Scotland game that happened at the weekend uh, <laughs> somehow because it just seems insignificant now but France losing to Scotland in Paris Scotland have won in Twickenham this year and Paris and still finished fourth which is incredible um, it was tough France always needed to score a lot early on they needed to go for everything and as soon as I saw the conditions being slippery and wet it was always going to be tough to really run up a massive score um, again Scotland played well in areas they, they deserved to get the win but like France just being classic France at the end there Doolin just kick the ball out you're not going to score 22 whatever it was 23 points that should be a thing in rugby though like if the clock's in the red <laughs> like some sort of a bonus that you can score like 30 points at one try imagine how good that would be talk to me Westy what do you think? Yeah, it's kind of just a bit of a break because he actually, like, I don't know, it looked to me like he went to kick it out and it changed his mind. It's like it's not going to get you anything. You I just thought it was seven times tables in his head. He was like, seven ones are seven, seven twos are fourteen, seven threes are twenty-one. Okay, let's go. That's some fast maths, man. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it was just, I, I think it was, I don't know, it was kind of funny and kind of ironic because you hear France talking before the game and they're like, no, uh, we're here to win the match. That's all we're really thinking about. Like, uh, And you see that when, when they go for the first penalty. You're like, all right, so they're here to win the game. They're going to manage this game very carefully, get the win. And if they're close, um, they'll try, you know, they'll try and push for it. But yeah, they just kind of managed the game really poorly. Gave, again, I don't know the actual statistics, but... They, I have them actually pulled them up here. Like they, they gave majority of possession to Scotland, gave all the territory to Scotland. I mean, like, I think Scotland have a fantastic back row. They have a lot of, like, really good players coming into form. Like, and you, you really just can't give them that opportunity to come at you like that. Like, to, if you wanted to, like, if you wanted to say at the start, yeah, we're going for the, 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 the tries, like, we all hope they wouldn't play absolute batshit rugby and lose, that's fine. But, trying to play this controlled game and losing is, is kind of really telling for France. I think although France are a lot more cohesive this year and are a lot better planned, I think they really do benefit from the individual skill of their players. It doesn't necessarily seem to be, uh, you know, some amazingly well-drilled team coming out. It's a really skillful team that are making the right decisions at the right time, as opposed to some great, you know, if Ireland under Joe Schmidt are one extreme and Fiji are the other, France are maybe a little bit too on the Fiji side, maybe need to get a few more systems, a few more contingency plans in place if they if they want to control and manage a game like this. Yeah, France are, they're exactly the same team, as you said, like they could go out and lose to Scotland, they could also go out tomorrow and whip the All Blacks, like that's the potential of them as well. You just unfortunately are not sure what France is going to show up. Conditions definitely, Sam, played a part, but this France team, still two years away from a World Cup, there's still plenty to get better, which is kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're, they're inconsistent now, and people were kind of hoping this would be their consistent year, but they're still quite inconsistent. But the players that they have at their uh, disposal, like the, the Jolly Bear and Intimac playing the 210s, you know, by the time the World Cup rocks around, they'll be 23, 24. Uh, yeah, it's 23 and 24, and they'll be both on over 30 caps if they keep going the way they're doing so that's you know that's unbelievable experience and unbelievable kind of balance to have there because we all know from world cups that a player can go down like you could have entomac playing with his 50 caps and if he goes down then and jelly bear's got five it makes no difference to your world cup hope so they've got such such an array of talent they've got you know in sean edwards they've got a great defensive coach i think that this game just might have just really gotten to them uh it looks like they they went out and they kind of they got caught between two stalls and whether or not to be the smart and get the win in the smart way first and then get the four tries or then every once in a while trying a few things that just didn't come off for them and fair play to Scotland because Scotland played a good tournament uh, they had you know the, the loss against us would probably hurt them because they could have realistically they could have beaten us and they could they should be looking at a much better finish than they got but they'll be so chuffed with the tournament in terms of beating England and Twickenham and uh, France away in Paris so you know hats off to them. Uh, I was disappointed because I wanted France to just go 19 score early and have the opportunity to go and really open it up, but it didn't come didn't come off that way. Uh, they still have some brilliant players and a lot of players I'd probably put in like if you were to pick a team of the tournament, I'd you know I'd say Fiku, probably Jolly Bear, uh, maybe Olivan, maybe Doolan, but you know they they've some serious really good players there. Yeah, Fiku was a monster all um, all all six. And then you, you see them bringing on like Teddy Toma, and you're like, oh my yeah. god. 
play yeah. Toma and Tomac, you know, was a starter. Then Jallybear came on, played incredibly well. But there were so many different factors. You know, if France had won that game, English would have England would have came fifth. Scotland won, England would have came fifth. So there was so many different, you know, uh, stuff at work there as well. So uh, we will move on. Preview this weekend: uh, Connacht playing in Europe, Leicester away on Saturday night. We have basically uh, before we get into the actual preview, a couple of injuries. Obviously, Jack Anger is undergoing rehab- rehabilitation for neck injury. Uh, will be later determined this week. Still, Connor Dean, Sean O'Brien, Tiernan O'Halloran, unfortunately, all out. And then long-term injuries. We're looking at Sam Arnold, Tom Farrell, Stephen Fitz, Killian Gallagher, and Quinn Rue, obviously, who are continuing their rehabilitation. Apart from injuries, we have obviously, unfortunately, Bundy Aki and Jared Butler out for uh, red cards. Considering some of the stuff we saw last weekend, it's an absolute farce. There was. I know, I know, it is. Like, it is. Someone went through someone's face with a shoulder; wasn't even looked at. Some of the English games, like some of the Leicester games, they they should have had two, two, three players sent off. Genge is still playing. They played at the weekend. It's an absolute joke. Like. Oh, do you see Genge shitting himself in that altercation? <laughs> oh, what an absolute <laughs> asshole. Newcastle Falcon, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, just like, again, I've said this before, a lot of the stuff he gives is unwarranted towards him. But he, when you keep finding yourselves in these situations, maybe it's you. Do you know what I mean? It's not just bad luck and people picking on you. Maybe you're the reason. I said it the other day. I still like him. I, I, I know he, he riles people up the wrong way, but I kind of like that. I like a Floyd Mayweather. I like that sort of that sort of. Yeah, be right. Floyd Mayweather if you're going to be really, really good and the best at your position. But he's not. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I seen him after the Ireland game because he got away with it. He's like, oh, I'm looking for apologies from the Irish pundits. And it's like, no, you fucking proud your elbow across someone's face. No one's going to apologize to you, you asshole. But anyway, moving on to that. Westy, apart from obviously missing Bundy and Jared Butler, are you happy with the strength of the squad that we have available? Yeah. I mean, I wish it was stronger. I, I'm, I'm a lot more nervous than I want to be. Um, I think it's a shame that there's a, there's a chunk of that leadership group missing, which is obviously worrying. And the fact that we don't have any centres left is also terrifying for Tom Daly. No, no, Brian's on two from two. Two, yeah. two games, like, come on. Tom Daly, well, Tom Daly deserves a nice long holiday. I mean, I'd, put, I'd have him on the first plane out of here when the season's over. Give him a jab and let him go to Spain for a couple of weeks. He's earned a rest. Um, no, I think our squad is good. And like, look, I've said it before, we clearly used the last couple of weeks to, to push a bit of depth and get a few guys a few more extra minutes, which is good. I really hope that pays dividends because if we lose the third game in a row, I'm going to be pretty disheartened. Um, our Rainbow Cup division is arguably the hardest we're going to play the other three Irish teams who have only lost to each other, apart from Lencer, lost to Ospreys. <laughs> Idiots. Um, so, you know, like, it's, 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 it, hopefully we get a win from them, but it's, it's perceivable that we could go Rainbow Cup where Zebra finish ahead of us. Um, so, I really, I, I'd love to see us, I'd love to see a great performance against Leicester. And I think if we have a great, great performance, I think the win will come with that. Sam, what's your feelings? Yeah, but I was looking at I was watching Leicester at the weekend and looking at the team that they had out, looking at their results from the season. They they've been underperforming this season as well. Like they've got probably on paper a better team than us, but I rate our squad quite highly. Westy said there, and I'm very much in agreement, is the lacking the the loss of the two from the leadership group, from Bundy and Jared Butler not being there is quite disheartening because those would be two players that you'd look to for their composure on the pitch in terms of how to deal with a referee. Coming into a big game, Bundy's probably the most experienced kind of player at the moment in terms of big game play, and that's what you'd want. Depends on what Leicester team are put out as well. Like Leicester, without any relegation now, might 
look at this tournament as an opportunity to get some silverware. They're not under any threat, so they don't have to rest players too much. Like Ellis Gaines, Tom Youngs, and Dan Cole started the weekend. That's a strong front row. Like that's a, that's an almost that's an international front row, really. And then you know they had George Ford playing. He played very well, and he didn't have the best Six Nations, so he might have something to prove. But this could also be an opportunity for Johnny McPhillips to be playing. Uh, and Johnny McPhillips left left Ulster last year, has been playing quite well all season. Irish qualified Irish youth player will probably have a little bit of something to prove. And if he's playing against an Irish team, might want to do that. So with Wigglesworth and either McPhillips or Ford, that's that's tough. But I would put Marmion and Carty up there with any halfback pairing. Uh, and I, I rate our team, if we play as well as we did, let's say against Munster, I, I see it being very competitive. Downsides are we're playing away in England and we have a terrible, terrible uh, record in England and even more downside is Leicester have Harry Potter on the wing so a little bit of magic there we're <laughs> yeah that is that's a good point that's a good point that should that can't be allowed you can't be wizards on teams lads come on uh, Wes or Wesley Sam had a point about the fact that you know away in England terrible record no crowds will that make much of a difference do you think do you hope well I mean if there was a crowd I'd be going to it so it makes one difference uh... <laughs> You could, be, you could be playing, Westy. Really, you should have got the call-up uh, this week. We always joke with you getting call-up. You could do a job all at centre. It is all you know. political, yeah. Um, no, I would never. I would never get the call-up. I'm nowhere near. Westy's going to that South African second-row uh, factory. <laughs> get about another three inches on him. <laughs> I would get stepped on if I went there. Um, no, I, th- I think, yeah, look, at um, you know, Sam raised a great point about our away, our away record in England been poor, but our away record overall this season has actually been pretty strong. Yeah. So, you know, it, if we were going to break our horrible streak of losing in England, I mean, this is probably the time you would hope we're pretty well positioned to do that. Again, we've had two weeks of, of squad rotation. We've had a week off. Um, like, obviously, I think in these games away, like, it's great to go to. And, you know, there's a great, there's always a great section of kind of fans there cheering. So, you know, obviously that would be missed, but yeah, I think I think our away record overall this season is pretty strong. So I wouldn't be worrying too much that it's away, that it's away, um, but away in England again is somewhere that we're not, we don't have a lot of happy memories from. Well, the, I think you made a good point. The performance is definitely in the team, and attacking wise this year they've been obviously fantastic. You know, that Scarlets game they were fantastic with ball in hand, but then. The upside of the ball, unfortunately, was an absolute disaster. Are we hoping or expecting a better defensive effort this weekend, Sam? Definitely. I think that the, the Scarlet's one, no matter how much you try and G up players and bring in young lads to bring in a bit of enthusiasm, one second is confirmed and you can't get first. I think that the, the foot does come off. The concentration does drop a little bit. But this is knockout rugby. They're going to be very aware of what they need to do. And they're going to be very aware of their defensive responsibilities. And I think you'll see something a bit more defensive, a bit more like when we played uh, Munster away or a bit more like when we played Leinster away. You know, something with a bit more shape, a bit more structure, probably a bit more aggressive, uh, less falling off tackles. Fingers crossed anyway. But I do think, I think that the defensive game, the Scarlets, the Edinburgh ones, no matter how hard you try to make sure that those players take those games seriously, you're playing against a team that had Europe on the line and you had nothing on the line. It is really hard to get them to you know, put their head in the way, especially with a knockout game against Leicester two weeks in advance. Players are like, no matter what players want to admit or don't want to admit, they're always going to have that in the back of their mind that they want to play the challenge cup game, the away in against Leicester, you know, they're going to maybe slide off a little tackle every once in a while. And that's not the right way to be, but it's going to happen because everyone's just human and they want these things. Yeah, I agree. And Westy, 
what would you be happy with? Would you be happy with a, perfor- a really good performance and maybe not the win, or is it win at all costs? I, I, I think it's a winnable game. I, I, I'm, I'd be pretty disappointed if we don't win. Um, I'm not saying that we should go out there, that like we should be expecting a win because we're the far better team, but I'm saying that from the season that's gone in the last couple of weeks, performance is paramount here. I think that is that is the most important thing. We want to be there, we want to be competitive. Um, but no, I think I think a win is important. I mean, we want silverware at the end of the day. I've said before, I think the Rainbow Cup is going to be very difficult for us. So I'd really love to see us push on this competition and play Ulster in the final because we're the two best teams in the competition. That's a big call by Westy. Sam, do you agree? It, it's a winnable uh, title and you know we haven't done too well in Europe ever we qualified for the cha- the Champions Cup a couple of times off our own bat and a couple of times off the fact that Leinster had won it and gotten us an extra spot like there's, there's been some great European games but you know to really push on and go for it this this tournament is there for the taking if we get past this Leicester game we have an away game against Newcastle and Ospreys home game Os- home game sorry against Newcastle and Ospreys the next game after that and then anything can happen in knockout rugby. Our squad, like you said, Sammy Arnold, Tom Farrell, one of the two of them should be back at some point. You know, Tiernan O'Halloran's been in and out of the team so much that, unfortunately, because I'm a massive fan of Tiernan O'Halloran, you can't really consider him a first-team player at the moment. He hasn't been for over a year, really. Porch has nailed that down. We have, we have a good squad. We have, when fit and not suspended, a very strong squad. So I don't know. I don't see why it's not there for the taking. And you get to a semi-final, anything can happen. So this Leicester game... I'd, I'd be interested to see what they do. I think Leicester are going to take it seriously because the ring fence league this year, they're not at risk of going down, which means that they can comfortably sit mid-table and not worry about getting a few bad results. But they will be looking at this as a winnable tournament as well. They've underperformed this season, but they definitely have a very strong squad with a lot of English internationals that will want to win something. So it, it could be, you know, it could be a great tournament in the Challenge Cup, the Champions Cup. Hopefully, they're all televised. One thing that's really gotten to me in the past is we've been playing teams away in the Challenge Cup and it's not been televised, even though BT had the rights to it. And that's frustrating. And that undermines the competition and it makes it seem like it's a lesser competition. But these are going to be two very enjoyable competitions with a lot of good rugby teams in them. Yeah, definitely. Let's get, we'll finish on predictions. So, Sam, give us your prediction. Connacht 28, Leicester 17. Oh, I like it. I like it. Westy? Um, Connacht. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm doing maths in my head. <laughs> Quick Connacht maths. 19, Leinster 7 or Leicester 17. Oh, a nail biter! Penalty at the end, Jack Clark to win it. Not Clarity nailing a winning kick. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly oh. what that is. Oh, I love that. I love that show. I'm gonna go Connacht 21. Leicester 17, Papa Lee, five metre scrum to win it last minute of the game. Let's go, big Papa. Let's go. Big, bigger prediction. How many cards? I'm thinking <laughs> at least, at least Genge and, oh, probably. and two Connacht Yellows. <laughs> yeah, that, let's, let's hope that we aren't talking about refereeing or cards next week uh, recapping the game and let's hope we're talking about a connect win that would be fantastic lads we'll leave it there appreciate it as always and thank you for listening people uh, listening at home we'll be back next weekend to recap all the european action so we'll see you then cheers boys bye